sends her greetings and would have been here if, if possible. She flew in this morning from Toronto uh, visiting her family, her mom's birthday, and so she took the newest addition to the family up to see her mom for the first time. Uh, so I'm uh, thankful for her, and uh, she sends her greetings tonight. And with me, I've got uh, Axton, who is the oldest there. He's seven, and Ellie, and she is uh, five. But uh, they're traveling with Dad this week, and uh, we're not quite sure how that's going yet. <laughs> oh, they're going to do fine tonight because I have threatened them. Because we were somewhere on Sunday, and there was lots of wrestling going on in the front row. And there was not much I could do about it, but uh, we're thankful for them and glad that they're with, uh, with me today. Uh, my wife and I have been privileged to serve in the nation of Spain for the last three years as missionaries. And uh, during that time in Spain, we saw God do many great things. Uh, also, we were able to work in a little nation called Andorra. Has anybody ever heard of Andorra before? Andorra. It's a small micronation between Spain and France. If you look at a map of Spain and France, you probably would never even see Andorra unless you zoomed in really, really close. Uh, in the whole country, there's only about 80,000 people. And uh, there's a few cities, and it's up in the mountains between Spain and France. And many prayers were prayed over that little city, and that somebody would come and start a work there. And, and finally, there was a family that answered the call, and they went to Andorra and start, started the very first apostolic church there in Andorra. And so my wife and I were privileged to serve there as their furlough replacements while they were gone in our last year and a half in Spain. And uh, during that year and a half time, we were privileged to baptize five in the name of Jesus. Amen. We saw 11 receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Amen. In a little nation nobody's even heard of. Amen. God is still working and God is still moving. Amen. And it gives me hope every time I remember what God has done. In a nation that most people will never even go to, never even hear of, most people don't have a clue what language they speak, but God still loved them enough. Amen. He's, his, his, uh, he went to the cross and died for them just like he did for us here tonight. And I'm thankful that God is no respecter of persons. Amen. Amen. Uh, and so we were so thankful for what the Lord did there and our time there in Spain and Andorra. And um, now we're answering the call to go to Haiti. Now, Haiti's a little bit different. How many have heard of Haiti before? If you've heard about it in the news recently, it probably wasn't anything good uh, that's been in the news a lot lately and, and for a lot of awful reasons. But we are believing God for great things in the nation of Haiti, amen, and we're believing God is going to uh, pour out his spirit like we've never seen it before, and we're so excited for what the Lord has. Uh, I I'm, uh, I'm, don't have my wife with, my wife with me tonight. Do you, is that video going to work? Awesome. Uh, but uh, she is on our video, so you'll get to hear from her, uh, and I'm, so I'm thankful for that. If you have that video, go ahead and play. Hello, we are Joshua and Lalina Tingley, and we are the new appointed missionaries to the nation of Haiti. We're so excited about the new work the Lord has called us to. We have served a mission since 2019 in the nation of Spain and also Andorra. We served under the incredible missionaries Nathan and Tanya Herod, and we're so thankful for the experiences and all that we learned there. We take all that experience and that hope and the same saving message of Jesus Christ to Haiti.
one of the biggest challenges that's really hard for us as Americans to understand is the level of poverty that Haitians live in, the level of uh, chaos that is just a normal part of their day. Uh, infrastructure is, is non-existent. Um, electricity, they don't, they, they're supposed to receive electricity for an hour a day. That rarely happens. Um, there's no trash pickup. There's no, there's no running water. All of these things that we as Americans take for granted that we just assume the rest of the world has as well. The first time that I visited Haiti, uh, it was very overwhelming. I couldn't even speak. I didn't know places like that existed in the world. I, I literally, I turned to my wife and I said, I didn't know this existed, especially so close to the United States. It's not, it's really not that far. Haiti is a nation with a lot of unique challenges. Haiti has 11 million people with a 60% literacy rate. This means reading the Bible and talking to them about Jesus can be difficult because they are unable to read their Bibles. The poverty level is enormous. As well, there are gangs all over the nation that make it difficult for transportation and getting around. The work in Haiti is broken up into three categories. We have, of course, the national work where we have 500 plus churches in the nation. We also have the Bible School, which houses over 120 students every year. And of course, the humanitarian work, which involves our children's homes and involves disaster relief. These three areas make up a big portion of what is needed and the work that is done in the nation of Haiti. The hunger for God is immense and palpable in the nation of Haiti. I want to tell you a short story. We were there doing a small crusade and as we, my husband gave the altar call and asked, does anyone want the Holy Ghost or want to be filled with the gospel? We expected people to come forward who had never heard this before. And instead, the altars quickly flooded with everybody in the room. The first person to the altar was the district secretary's wife, not because she'd never been filled with the Holy Ghost before, but because in a nation like Haiti, all you have is God. And she was so hungry for another touch. That is what's so special and unique about Haiti, is it doesn't matter how many times you've received the Spirit before or how many times you've felt God before. You are so hungry for another touch. Every opportunity to touch God is just like your first. We want to say thank you so much. You are going with us to Haiti to change a nation, to change a life uh, when you give. And we say thank you for going with us. Thank you for giving. Thank you for being a part of what God is doing in the nation of Haiti. Thank you so much for your prayers. Your prayers are building our covering over our family and over the work in Haiti, over all of the incredible people there and the powerful work that God has in store for that nation. Amen. God bless each and every one of you. God bless. Thank you. Amen. As you can see, we have uh, quite a few unique challenges uh, that we're dealing with in Haiti. Um, one of the uh, scenes that you saw there was our Bible school graduation. That happened this past May uh, last year. And I was privileged my first time to go and to be a part of their opening day of Bible school. And then the second time uh, to go and be part of the graduation service that you saw um, on, uh, in the video. And uh, one, of the, one of the most 
awesome things that we have going on in Haiti is our Bible school. Uh, we have over 120 students. Uh, usually it's close to 150, but because of the, the situation right now, uh, we're, we're a little low. So about 120 students this past year, and uh, 33 students graduated from our three-year program in Haiti, which is amazing. Uh, what these students have to do to to just to make it to Bible school is, uh, is astounding. So uh, they come every Saturday up to our headquarters compound, and every Saturday they travel some one, two, three, four hours to be at Bible school. It starts at 8.30 in the morning on Saturday. And they're traveling through public transportation, or they're traveling uh, uh, on motorcycles, or they're traveling uh, on top of vehicles sometimes through one of the most dangerous cities in the world, and they're doing that just to come spend their entire Saturday to learn more about God. And it's amazing that we have, they, they would commit that for three years. These, these students have done that. And so I commend them. Uh, we are excited for what that means for the, the nation as they are going back into their cities and back into their churches and their neighborhoods. What an impact they are going to make, amen, on the nation of Haiti, knowing that they are this committed to the word of God and the things of God. And so we're so excited about those 33 students, amen. In fact, it was uh, a few years ago, two of our students, I believe they had the furthest journey. They were the ones traveling four hours to be there on, on Saturday. Sometimes they were leaving on Friday night just to make sure that uh, they were there on time for Bible school uh, on Saturday morning. And after this, pastor's going to be preaching next week about no more excuses about being late to church. They were leaving on Friday night and traveling four hours um, to, to be at Bible school on time. And so they came, after they graduated, they came to Brother and Sister Brian, the other missionaries in Haiti, and they said, listen, we, we have other people in our region that also want to come to Bible school, but they can't make this journey. It's too much uh, of a trek. They've got families. They've got responsibilities. They can't do this every Saturday. Can we go home to our region and start a Bible school, a satellite campus of your Bible school there, and teach this same Bible school material? And of course, the answer was yes. And and this past year, we had three students graduate from their program as well. And so that takes us to 36 students. Amen. And we have a vision to see satellite campuses all over uh, the, the nation of Haiti so that those that cannot come, we can go to them and bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to their region and to their city. Amen. And, and we're looking forward to the impact that that is going to make in the nation of Haiti. Amen. Now, one of the projects that we are uh, working on right now is our equipment project. How many like electricity? Oh, thank you, Jesus. How many like air conditioning? Yes, Lord. You guys, you just had a group go to the Dominicans, so you know. It's hot down there, y'all. It's hot. Uh, and in Haiti, there is no electricity. We're supposed to get an hour a day. Rarely ever happens. So uh, our equipment budget goes to help us buy uh, generators, solar panels. It could buy uh, equipment for the Bible school. All of those types of things uh, goes into our equipment budget. And so if you want to be a part of that, of course, speak with your pastor. And uh, we would love to have you guys be a part of that. And I want to say thank you. Thank you so much uh, for partnering with us. Uh, you guys are already partners with us, so I want to say thank you to this church. It is uh, sincerely a, an honor uh, to partner with such a great church. Before you leave, stop by uh, the table, and I've got some printed materials like bookmarks and, uh, and, and fridge magnets and business cards. You can take those with you, put it in your Bible. Remember to pray for us. On the back of all of those things is a QR code, 
and that QR code, you can scan it and find our prayer list. Uh, we try to keep that up to date so that way you know what, what the issues are, what we're specifically dealing with, and you can partner with us in prayer uh, just by scanning that code and going to the partner with prayer and finding out what we're, what we're praying for during that time. And I really need y'all's help to take as much of that material as possible tonight uh, because uh, on the picture that you will notice, there was only four people on that little picture on all those printed materials, and now there is five of us. And so... I need to order some more. So y'all help me get rid of those uh, because we don't want, uh, we don't want the, the newest one to get a complex or anything. So amen. If you would stand with me and we're going to go to 1 Peter chapter number 1 and verse number 23. Again, want to give honor to your pastor. Thank you for this invitation. Thank you for letting us come and talk about Haiti and what the Lord is doing there. Amen. And uh, the vision that, that we have for Haiti. Amen. 1 Peter chapter number 1 and verse number 23. Man. If you have it in your Bibles, why don't you say amen? amen? If you don't have it yet, you can say, wait on me. All right, I gave you an opportunity. 1 Peter chapter 1, 23 says, Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth, somebody say forever. forever. For all flesh is as grass, and the glory of man is the flower of grass, and the grass withereth, uh, uh, and the flower thereof falleth away. But the word of the Lord endureth forever. Somebody say forever. forever. Amen. And this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. Psalms 119.89. Psalms 119.89, a very short passage of scripture, just simply says, Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Amen. I want to preach to you on this subject tonight, just for the next few moments, forever settled, forever settled. Would you put your Bibles down and go with me one more time? Lord, we love you. We thank you for your goodness. God, we thank you for your mercy. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity to come into the house, in your house tonight, Lord, and to hear from your word. God, I pray in this building today that there would be a release of the Holy Ghost. Lord, let there be a release of the gift of faith. Lord, that your word that comes forth, we would believe it, we would receive it, and we would respond to it. In the name of Jesus, we pray. God, in this building tonight, we lose signs and miracles and wonders. God, we lose an outpouring of your spirit in the name of Jesus. Just for a few seconds more, would you lift up your voice uh, all across this building and begin to call out in the name of Jesus. God, we need you tonight, God. We need a move of your spirit in this building today, God. Oh, Lord, don't let us leave the same way that we came, but challenge us and encourage us in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen, amen, amen. You may be seated. The word of God can be a uh, an entity that's a bit difficult to describe with just a few words. Uh, it's, it's, of course, we could go through and put it in a lot of different categories, but to leave it in one single category doesn't seem to really do it justice. We could talk about how it is the record and the history of, of creation and God's chosen people. It contains poetry and, and proverbs. It, it's filled with prophecy, much which we've seen come to pass. Prophecy in the Old Testament coming to pass in the New Testament. It's the first-hand account of how Jesus, uh, how he came to earth, how he walked among us, how he did all these miracles, and, and then he went to the cross and he died for, for you and I. And it's filled with the words that he spoke while he was 
yet here on earth. If you've got the red letter edition of your Bible, you can open up and, and see uh, uh, very quickly the, the words that Jesus spoke yet while he walked upon the earth. And we can go past that and we find letters written by the apostles to the churches. We, we, we find it filled with all of these different types of things. But to simply explain it away, uh, with just a few words or just a few sentences seems a little bit difficult. It doesn't seem to capture the entirety of what the Word of God is. To, for it's, it's not enough to simply say that His Word is a historical book. We couldn't simply put that in a category of, uh, of a history book, for we have many history books. In fact, the schools, the libraries, and the bookstores are filled with books that would be considered history books. And men of old have sat down many a times and, and put pen to paper and begin to write about the, the times in which they lived or times past and events that took place. And, and we've got all of these books uh, written by men uh, uh, putting their pen to the paper and telling us uh, about historical things, and we call those history books. And so it doesn't really seem to capture the entirety of the Word of God to simply say it's a history book. We could say that it's an instructional manual. But to put it in just the category of instructional manual, again, doesn't seem to, to do it justice. We've got tons of instructional manuals. We've got instructional manuals for everything we've got we own comes with an instructional manual. You probably, like me, got a drawer back home that is filled with instructional manuals and you ain't read none of them. Right next to all the screws left over from when you put that piece of furniture together and you have no idea where those extra screws go, do you? Because you didn't read the instructions and I didn't read the instructions. We've got gadgets and gizmos for everything and everything comes with an instructional manual. And so to simply say that the word of God is an instructional manual doesn't seem to capture its, its entirety. It doesn't seem to, to be enough to say that this is just that, just the instructional manual. For the word of God is greater than just mere words upon a page. In fact, Hebrews 4.12 puts it like this, For the word of God... Is, is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and, uh, uh, and of the joints and the marrow, and is the discerner of, of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. That's the word of God. The, the word there, quick, in Hebrews 4.12 can also be translated alive. The word of God is a living Thing. It is a living word. Can I remind somebody in the, in the house tonight to the, the word of God is not a dead word. It is not something that gets outdated with time, but the Word of God is a living Word. It's why we go each year back to the Word of God. It's why we go every day back into the Word of God. Why? Because it is a living Word. It's why you can read it 15 times, and every time God begins to speak something new to you out of His Word. Why? Because it is a living Word. Friends, it didn't get outdated a few weeks after it was written, and a few years after it was written, but it is still a living and a relevant word for us today. Amen. Amen. The Bible says that the word of God is powerful. The word of God is 
powerful. Can I tell you, when you open up this Bible, you begin to read about the power of the name of Jesus. You find within those pages the power to save, the power to heal, the power to put families back together again, the power to deliver you from addiction, the power to put to bring your kids home, the power to set captives free. Where do we find it? Just find it when the preacher begins to get up and preach the word of God. It's why you show up on Sunday and you show up on midweek and you say, Pastor, preach me that word one more time. I need some power in my life right now. I've got some stuff going on in my life. I need the power of the word once again. Hey man, there's power in his word. There's power in his word. Amen. I love the description that uh, the description it uses when it says it's sharp. It's a sharp word. To me, what that tells me is the word of God is precise. It's a precise. It's not just a generic word to the church. It's not just a generic word to a group of people. It is a precise word for you. You ever wonder how you could come to church on Sunday and pastor begins to preach and all of a sudden somebody on the left side of the building is going through something and God begins to speak to them and they're ministered to while on the other side of the building somebody's going through something completely different and yet God is ministering to their needs at the same time. Why? It's because God's word is precise enough to reach down into your life and speak life once again. His word is precise enough to speak to your needs, your situation. His word can minister to a Exactly what you're going through to your pain, your depression, your broken heart. God's word is a precise word for you. Amen. Psalms 119.49 through 50 says, Remember the word unto thy servant upon which thou hast caused me to hope. This is my comfort in my affliction, for thy word hath quickened me. Can I, can I tell you tonight, it's in the word of God we find hope. It's in his word that we find hope. Amen. For his word, the Bible says, hath, it's, is my comfort in my affliction. Where do I turn in my affliction? I don't turn to Facebook. I don't turn to the government. I turn to the word of God. In my affliction, I want some help. I need some peace and I need some hope. Friends, I'm not coming knocking at your door. I'm sorry, but I'm the first going to open up the word of God because it's in his word that I find all my hope and my peace. It comes from the word of God. He wrote that the, uh, for thy word hath quickened me. So if the word is quick or alive, then the word has the ability to quicken me or to make me alive. Oh, I know there's some testimonies in the house tonight. You came to the house of God for the first time. You weren't really living. But all of a sudden, the preacher began to preach to you and something began to stir up in you. That hope that you thought was lost. That hope that everybody else said, there's no hope for your life. There's nobody that's going to help you. And all of a sudden, the preacher, he opened up the word and hope began to live again because his word can quicken us. Amen. Some of you had come to the house of God for the first time. You had almost given up hope for your addiction, but oh, you found new hope in his word once again. You came to church and you were worried about your marriage and all of a sudden the preacher began to preach and things began to be put back together in your life once again. Can I remind somebody in the building today, it is in the word of God that we find our hope. Come on, there's somebody here today. You said, oh, I came and I had no more hope. They told me once an alcoholic, always an alcoholic, but 10 
I met Jesus and I realized there was hope for my life yet. They said I was going to be addicted for the rest of my life. But oh, I came to the house of God and the preacher said I could be set free. I'm thankful. I've got hope in the word of God. Too many people have looked at Haiti and said it's a place with no hope. I've talked to Haitians living here in the U.S. and they tell me, I just don't see how it's ever going to change. The world is, has, seen, has begun to reduce their help and their aid and they're pulling back and saying, listen, we've sent billions of dollars, mountains of resources, and nothing has changed. If we can't fix it, it can't be fixed. There's no hope for Haiti. I'm convinced this evening, I'm convinced tonight, there is yet one kingdom that hasn't given up on Haiti. And that's not a kingdom of this world, but it is a heavenly kingdom. And upon its throne sits the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And he hasn't given up on Haiti. He's not turned away by the buildings that are still crumbling. Or he's not turned away by the roads that are impossible to traverse. But God is saying there's somebody who needs hope. Yeah, they might be in a hopeless situation, but I'm the God that can bring hope into every impossibility. I'm the God that can do it. My word is forever. Ever settled. So the question is, well, what does Haiti, what does hope look like for Haiti? How, in the midst of all of this, gangs have completely taken over the capital city. They've 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 shut down distribution of gas and food and water and 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 gas skyrockets uh, upwards of thirty dollars a gallon. How how can we have hope in the midst of all of this uh, with all of the poverty and all of the corruption and all of the natural disasters? How can they have hope? I would submit to you tonight that their hope comes from the same source that our hope comes from. And that is the word of God. And if we get hope, then they get hope. I'm sorry, but I could not stand here tonight and preach that there is hope for your life if I didn't believe there was hope for every Haitian. And I certainly couldn't go to Haiti and preach hope for their life if I didn't believe there was hope for yours. But our hope is found in an unchanging source. A source that is forever settled in heaven. So hope for Haiti sounds like when you open up his word and you begin to read scriptures. That is the same place I found my hope is the same hope that they get. And it sounds like better is one day in his courts than a thousands elsewhere. It comes from the same source. You just have to open up his word and begin to read scriptures that tell you he's never going to leave you nor forsake you. If you get that promise, then every Haitian gets that promise. Can I tell you, it sounds like the same hope that we have when we open up his word and it declares, I go to prepare a place for you that where I am, you might be also. Oh, yes, there's got to be hope for Haiti because there's promises in his unchanging word that declare, I shall supply all of your need according to my riches and glory. Can I tell you, there's got to be hope for Haiti. Why? Because there's scriptures that declare, where sin abound, grace doth much more abound. It's in his word we find hope. Amen. Psalms 119, 105, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Can I tell you tonight, it's the word of God that will illuminate your life. 
You might have walked in tonight feeling like you're in the darkest moment of your life. If you will let the word of God speak over your life, God will shine a light. It's not going to be in the next self-help guide. It's not going to be in the 12 steps to happiness or in a doctor's note. But can I tell you, it's in his word that will bring light into the darkest moments. And it's his word that can go into the darkest places of this world and bring light. For you are the light of the world. Why? Because we've been set free by the word of God. We've been set free by a God who went to a cross and he died for you and I. He paid the price and he redeemed my life. How do you know? Oh, because I read about all those promises. I find in his word a light that cannot be hidden. Amen. Psalms 119, 133 says, Order my steps in thy word, and let not any iniquity have dominion over me. I love this passage of scripture. Can I, I want to remind you tonight, God didn't just throw this thing together and hope you'd figure it out. He didn't say, let me come shine a light on your life, show you the mess that you're in, and I'm just going to leave you right there. That's not what he did. The Bible says that he orders our steps in his word. God has a plan in mind for you. God has a plan in mind for your life. Again, we're not talking about a generic Word for the church. I'm talking about you. God has a plan in mind for you. Jeremiah 29, 11 puts it like this. I, I know the plans that I have for you, saith the Lord. Plans to prosper you. They're not bad plans. They're not evil plans. They're good plans to bring peace, hope, and a future. A future. He says, I know the things that I want to do in your life. I know the, the plans I want to make. And you know what the great thing about allowing God to order your steps is? It lets God put things in your future. Let me, let me give you an example. Children of Israel are coming out of Egypt. They're crossing the Red Sea, making their way out into this wilderness area, headed towards the promised land. They get past the Red Sea, they get out there and they... They realize they're thirsty. And you got to remember, God is leading them literally step by step. Pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. It's like the first GPS system ever. And probably much like you and I, we, when they got to the destination, they got to the waters of Mara, the waters were bitter and they couldn't drink. They probably thought, well, there's something messed up with this GPS system. It must have told us to go left when we should have went right. And so they get to the waters of Mara. They're thirsty. God leads them to the water. And they're bitter waters that, he could, that they couldn't even drink. So what do they do? They get upset at God. But God tells Moses, he said, you see that tree right there by the water? I want you to cut that down and throw it into the water. And the moment the tree touched the water... The waters became sweet, and they could drink. Now, I have to admit tonight, I'm, I'm not much of a tree expert. I didn't go to college and study trees. You, maybe you did. And if you did, you can help me out tonight. I don't even know what the degree is called when you study trees. Whatever it might be. From what I can, my limited amount of knowledge, I don't think trees grow overnight. 
From the moment they're planted, I don't think they become trees the very next day. Are we on the same page on that? Okay. So for that tree to have any kind of substance, it was probably there before they even crossed over the Red Sea. In fact, if it was a decent-sized little tree, it was probably there before they ever left Egypt. And so sometime in the 400 years of captivity, there was a little tree that began to grow right next to the pool of Mara. Because God knew there's coming a day when my people are going to come by this point and they're going to need to be able to drink from this water. And there's coming a time, so I'm going to plant something right now. And if they will allow themselves to be ordered by my word, if, if they will just follow the steps that I have put in front of them, I'm going to plant something miraculous in their future. God has the ability. When you let him order your steps in his word, God has the ability to put provision in your future before you ever even need it. God has the ability to plant the miraculous provision hand of God before you ever even knew that you were in need. God has the ability to put healing in your future before sickness ever even touched your body, before you ever stepped into this circumstance, before you ever caught off guard by life. God God was already planting the miraculous in your future. God was already saying, I'm going to make a way. You just got to keep on walking. Keep on putting one foot in front of the other because right around the corner, I've got something miraculous for you. I've been working on it for a long time, but you got to let yourself be ordered in his word. Amen. Psalms 147.15 says, He sendeth forth His commandment upon the earth, and His word runneth very swiftly. I love this description. His word runneth very swiftly. I mean, we're talking about the Lord here, right? So we could just say, He's running, and we're probably going to assume it's quick. We could just say, I mean, if we're, if we're comparing running from me to Him, odds are on Him. We're talking about the Lord here. He's, I'm assuming He's pretty quick at whatever He wants to do. But it didn't just say his word runneth. It says his word runneth very swiftly. I'm trying to make a point here. What that tells me is it doesn't matter how far you think you've gone. It doesn't matter if it looks like the end or you think it's too late. When God sends forth his commandments, his word, the Bible says his words run very quickly. Amen. When he begins to speak, things are, things happen. I know it may look like the end right now. I know it may look like you're at the end of your rope and there's nowhere else to turn, but you just let God speak a word over your life. And I promise you, he's always on time. I promise you, he's always, his word is faster than your diagnosis. His word is quicker than the enemy's attack on your life. His word is faster than your depression. His word is quicker than your next failure. And his word is swifter than hell's threats on your life. Can I tell you, when God begins to speak, things happen. I know it may seem like there's no way out, but you just wait. Let God speak a word, and it's going to be there on time. You let God speak healing over your life, and it'll be right on time. You let God speak that word of provision and it is always right on time. Amen. Jeremiah 15, 16, thy words were found and I did eat them and thy word was unto me the joy and the rejoicing of mine heart. 
for I am called by thy name. It is his word that has caused us to have joy and rejoice. That's why you're going to find me on a Sunday. You're going to find me in the house of God. And I'm going to be up in the front and I'm going to be lifting up my hands and I'm going to be singing. It's why I'm going to be playing an instrument. It's why I'm going to be singing songs. It's why I'm going to be running the aisles. You want to know where to find me on a Wednesday night? You already know. You, are, you ought to already know. I, I, I've got a reason to rejoice. I've got. That's why I'm a praiser because I had a word from God that reached into my life right in time. That's why I'm a worshiper tonight because I've got a word. I've been called by his name. I've got a reason to dance. I've got a reason to rejoice. I've got a reason to shout. Because I've got a word from the, from the king. Amen. Finally, Ephesians 6, 17. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. I hate to be the bearer of bad news tonight. I really do. But in case you didn't know, I'll just, I'll just have to say it. Living for the Lord doesn't come without its battles. Oh, you knew, thank God. I'd hate to be the first one to tell you. Living for the Lord doesn't come without its struggles and come without battles. But God did say he wasn't going to leave us defenseless. He said, you take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. His word is our sword. So when struggles and trials come, uh, we, we've got somewhere to turn. When depression tries to steal your joy, what do you do? You just reach for the sword and you begin to declare the word of God. The joy of the Lord is my strength. And when storms begin to rage in your life, you don't get upset at God. You don't walk away. What do you do? You turn to the sword and you open up the sword and you begin to declare, He is the calmer of all my storms. And when sickness tries to attack your body, you just reach for the sword and begin to declare by his stripes I am healed come on when fear tries to attack your body try to attack your mind you just reach for the sword and declare his perfect love casteth out all fear we've got a weapon in the word of God amen where my wife and I went into missions we were living in southeast Texas. We moved to southeast Texas a week before Hurricane Harvey. Y'all remember Hurricane Harvey? I'm sure you do. A week before Hurricane Harvey, we moved to southeast Texas. Right in the middle of where the worst of the flooding was for us in Vider, Texas. Whew. We had houses that were two feet, four feet, eight feet underwater. My buddy's house was so far underwater, you could drive a boat over top and never even know it was there. It was crazy, like nothing I'd ever seen. I'm from Washington, y'all. I ain't never seen nothing like that before. It was crazy. So for about a year after that, we're working with all these families trying to help them get back into their homes, and we're gutting houses, and we had 80-something families in our church alone that lost their house to flooding, not including all the other people in our community. So we were working for a year helping people finally get back into their homes a year later. Things are starting to normalize a little bit. And I noticed that one of the neighbors of, our, of a guy in our church, he, there was a house that was connected by the same property, but nobody had been working over there. Nobody had been doing anything. There was no giant pile of, of trash out by the street waiting for the city to come pick it up. 
So I began to inquire and negotiate with the, the guy who owned the house, and, and I thought, well, this will be a great opportunity. Uh, I was fresh out of Bible school and, and uh, just moved to, to southeast Texas, and my wife and I had never owned a home, so I thought, this will be a great opportunity. We'll buy our first home. And so we did. And we bought this little house that nobody had been working in for a while, and when you walk in the front door, nobody had touched anything in this house since the day it started raining. For over a year, y'all, this house set completely exactly the way it was the day it started raining. It was like a snapshot into somebody's life. There was clothes still on the, uh, on the sofa that hadn't quite been put away yet. The, the beds were still partially made and, and there was the, the dishes that they didn't do were still in the sink. And their leftovers were still in the fridge. A year later, with no power, no power in the house, just close the door in our humid Texas weather and just let it rot. There was mold from the floors to the walls to the ceilings. It was awful. And this was our first home. Welcome home, honey. Welcome home. So I talked to a couple of the young guys. I said, y'all got to come help me. We're, I mean, we're, we're basically professionals at this point in gutting houses. I mean, we were knocking them out one at a time. I said, y'all got to come help me gut this house. So we worked on it for months, just trying to get it clean. And I remember in the first few days we were working, and we were working in the living room. We had our hazmat suits on and our respirators and gloves and goggles and, and all of these things. And we're working in the living room. And on uh, one of the walls, there was this entertainment center. And, and then all of these books that were stacked up on either side of the entertainment center. And when you went to pick up the top book on the stack, you would pick it up. And, and all the books underneath of it were stuck to it. It was just one giant book. You couldn't open up any of the pages. You couldn't even separate the books one from another. It was just a, a nasty stack of unreadable papers, never to be read again. We're, we're working in this environment. We're picking up these, these books, and we're throwing them away. And one of the young guys, there was two young guys in the living room, and one of them uh, reached down and started picking up some of these books. And he picked up the top book of, of one of the stacks, and it came away free. And he, he kind of was astonished for a minute. And he looked down and he said, look, guys, I just found a Bible. And so we stopped what we were doing to turn around and look. And he had reached down and picked up this Bible. And he's examining the Bible. And, and for some reason, the Bible seems to be untouched by everything else around it. And so he begins to flip through the pages of the Bible. And somehow these thin pages, are in, uh, there's not one of them stuck together. There's not, there's not a, even a speck of mold on the Bible at all. And he's, he's looking and examining and, and flipping through every page. It's in perfect condition. Everything else around it destroyed. Everything else around it decaying, rotting. And here lay a Bible. So the other young guy that was with me, he, he piped up and he said, well, open it up. Let's see what it says. I thought that was kind of a strange request, but the first young guy, being a good young Pentecostal boy, he thought, well, let's do it. He opened up to the New Testament and turned to Acts chapter 2, verse 38. You got it. And I'm happy to announce tonight that in this Bible, this is how Acts 2.38 reads. Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Well, I got a little bit excited. 
I don't know what they were doing, but I got a little excited. And I, I took the Bible. I said, I got to check this out for myself. And so being a good young Pentecostal boy myself, I, I thought I got to pick a different scripture. I'll flip over to the Old Testament. And I went to Deuteronomy 6.4. It's so easy. And in this Bible, this is how it, how it reads. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. You might be saying, well, missionary, what are you trying to say? What I want to encourage somebody tonight is the message of this book did not change just because of what it had been through. Just because the storm had raged, just because uh, the, the floodwaters had, had raised, just because everything else had been touched, just because everything else was destroyed, uh, uh, didn't change the fact that the Word declared His promises. This is that very Bible I pulled out of that house. This is the very Bible that came out of that house. And you know what? I've been through this Bible a few times, and every promise God made is still there. Every word that he spoke is still there. Was not touched by the storm. Was not damaged in any way. So this is my declaration to you tonight. Your problems have not altered his promises. I'll preach it straight to Haiti. Your problems, Haiti, have not altered God's promises. Just because you got storms doesn't change the fact that he's the calmer of every storm. Just because you've been through some things tonight, let me encourage you. Your pain has not changed his plan one bit. And your dilemma has not damaged the word of God. But I'll tell you tonight, his word is forever settled. So I flip through the pages of this old book all the way back to Genesis chapter number 22 and I found Abraham. He was still there declaring, Jehovah Jireh, God is my provider. Then I skipped over to Exodus 15 and guess what? There's old Jehovah Rapha, the God that heals. He's still there in his word and even though the book was abandoned and nobody wanted it, I can still find his promise that declares he's never going to leave me nor forsake me. Why? Because his word, it doesn't change whether you're in the storm or the sunshine his word remains the same would you stand with me all across the building I don't know what you're going through, what you've been through, but I can tell you today, his word hasn't changed just because the storm is raging in your life, just because you've been through some things, but his promises are forever settled. For God is not a man that he should lie, but every promise of God is in him and in him a man. Can I tell you, every promise he spoke is still true. Everything that he said, that he spoke over your life, every promise that we just shouted about and danced about hasn't changed just because you're going through trials, struggles, or tribulation but the word of God it remains the same and if it will go through my storm it'll go through their storm it'll go through my natural disaster pastor it'll go through the natural disasters that Haiti has if, if the storm couldn't change his word in my life and your storm can't change his word in your life. So easy for us to tell our brothers, our sisters, oh, we're going to pray for you. We're going to pray for you. God's going to make a way and, and it's all going to be all right. It's real easy for us to believe for somebody else, but let storms come into our life. And all of a sudden we're wondering, God, where are you? What are you doing right now? But the same God 
that was the deliverer for your brother, your sister, the healer for your brother, your sister, is the same God who's the deliverer and the healer for your life. It's the same God that we saw heal cancer in Spain that will heal cancer in this building today. It's the same God we saw replace lungs in an elder gentleman. The next service, he replaced lungs in a young lady. The same God that will replace lungs here today. He's the healer. It's who he is. And our storms don't change who God is. So yes, I believe there's hope for Haiti because I believe in, an un, in a forever settled word of God. And if I believe that there's hope for Haiti because of this word, then yes, there is hope for you tonight. There's hope for your marriage. There's hope for your brokenness. There's hope for your body. There's hope for your family. Because his word doesn't change. Storms, trials, earthquakes, tornadoes, these things don't change who God is. Whether they're real, emotional, financial, physical, but he remains the same. The Bible declares he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And his word is forever settled in heaven. So I don't know what you're going through tonight. I don't know what you might be facing. I wonder just for the next 30 seconds if you could lift up your voice and lift up your hands and pray with me over the nation of Haiti. Would you take 30 seconds before we have our own altar call here and would you lift up your voice for the nation of Haiti?